Welcome back, everybody, to the one and the only Smooth Thrills Radio Hour, Series 2, Episode... What are we on now? Six, Episode 6. I am your host, Jason Rutledge. So, in this episode, we're discussing a movie. It's about a guy trying to track down another guy who just wants a relationship but goes about it in all the wrong ways. I am, of course, talking about Manhunter, the first entry into what would later become the Hannibal Cinematic Universe. Start of a franchise, if you will. So, Nathan and Katie are back for this one. So, um, I guess it's time to just get on with the show, really. Uh, Oh, wait, but first, Mr. Tom Noonan has a very special message for all of you listeners out there. Before me, you were a slug in the sun. You are privy to a great becoming and you recognize nothing. You're an ant in the afterbirth. Is your nature to do one thing correctly? Tremble. But fear is not what you owe me. No lounge. You and the others. You owe me all. No, I, I didn't care for that one at all. What, no, I didn't. I couldn't either. pin down what really bugged me about it for a long well, time. I don't like the UFO stuff because, you, yeah. I mean, it's weird because yeah. it's it, the supernatural stuff is acceptable. Yeah. But, like, but oh, showing it. aliens. Yeah. I think he I showed think too much it in it. Mm-hmm. Well, Had he well, just that, been like, oh, there's aliens, but then never showed anything, it wouldn't have been hmm. as bad. True. No, what bothered me the most about it was it was the only Indiana Jones movie where Jones himself doesn't matter at all. The events of the movie would have played out exactly as they had if he had not been involved in the movie whatsoever. He made no difference. All he did was run around, get captured, run away again, get captured again. And it's also like a greatest hits compilation. Like a lot of fourth films are where they're taking the best Mm -hmm. elements of the previous three. And then you bring back Karen Allen. Yeah. He never had the same love interest in these movies before. No. So you're, you're, you're going to that nostalgia, same thing with the star Wars movies, you know, Mm. But yeah, it doesn't need to be. So they keep talking about a fifth one. No, we're good. Let's not. Why can't we have new things? Yeah. You know? That'll never happen, I'm sure now, but. No, I wouldn't think so either. No. All right. Well, <laughs> well, as long as we're talking about franchises, we might as well talk about this one. Seems appropriate. Here on the Smooth Thrills Radio Hour Season 2, we are talking about Manhunter. Which at the time was not a franchise. Mm-mm. No, it wasn't. I don't know if they planned it to be either. No, I don't think so. Does everybody remember Silence of the Lambs? Not as many people remember Manhunter, even though they should. No. In fact, a lot of people actually that had seen Manhunter at the time mm-hmm. didn't realize there was a connection between that and Silence of the Lambs. Ah. Well, I don't, I'm not as familiar with the series of books. Was there... None did of all of these... that. Right. So Red Dragon is what this movie's based on. Mm-hmm. Right. Was Silence of the Lambs as a book out already at the time that this was made i think so or did that come later i don't at know. the time of 86 uh the yeah, book, i have no idea the novel was released in 81 silence of the lambs oh no 88 sorry okay. and then so, red yeah. dragon was 81 wait yeah okay right this was an august release the big summer movie the big talk summer movie was was not manhunter it wasn't even really the other movies that were around at the same time which was the fly and Aliens, yes. The Fly, not so much. But the big talk of that summer was She's Gotta Have It. Oh, oh. Because She's Gotta Have It opened in one theater, made $28,000, went on to make $7 million, which is only $1 million less than Manhunter got off a budget of fifteen. Wow. So that that was your breakout hit. Manhunter, not so much. Maybe it was too stylish, which it is. It is very stylish. Mm -hmm. It is very Miami Vice, Mm -hmm. which makes sense because it's Michael Mann. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, everything in this movie that could be painted in pastels was painted in pastels. <laughs> right. Anytime I see that in t- completely white bedroom with the white sheets and white carpet, it just yes. makes me have a nervous breakdown. Well, even <laughs> the scenes on the beach. I mean, it's just that that's very lit- like yeah. it's a literal component of the film. It, it was not, say, um, your Michael Bay type outdoor shot where everything is like blood red skies. Thankfully not. Yeah. Massive camera filtering going on. It was. It sounded odd. It had that sort of chariots of fire, evangelist type synthy soundtrack. I've never known really 
thought of Michael Mann as a particularly good judge of music for his own movies, especially oh, early on. I disagree. I mean, come on. <laughs> Thief, his first okay. film, Tangerine Dream. That's okay. an amazing score. Everybody was using Tangerine Dream, though. Yeah, but that also, he, there's that Friedkin connection uh-huh. that this has here. Not the right. Friedkin-French connection. No. But um, he thinking used of, them, didn't, wasn't Sorcerer the first score that they ever did? I don't know. I believe so, and they insisted on not watching the film. They just scored it on their own right. and gave him the music. Because Tangerine Dream, I know, did Risky Business. They did, and they did several films. Legend was mm-hmm. one of them. The alternate score, the release score, I should say. Okay. And Wavelength, which is a great score. I, have, I don't know if I've seen Wavelength. Robert Carradine, Keenan Wynn, oh, Aliens. It, you're not narrowing it down that much. <laughs> okay. Of that year. <laughs> of that, that year. Okay. That was the, yeah, that was the movie they did together with Aliens that year. You're thinking of the previous year when they yeah, did yeah, that yeah, other yeah. movie with yeah. the Aliens. Yeah, Keenan Wynn did, a, yeah, he was doing Laser Blast a few years Laser prior. It's a little bit different alien movie. So yeah, August 15th, 1986. Manhunter comes out. Uh, William Peterson, who is one of my favorite actors from To Live and Die in L.A., which is an amazing, fantastic film. movie. Freaking, 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 freaking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kim Grease, who's in Chud in Brazil. Yeah, there you go. Before Katie. this, this very early work with Joan Allen. Yes, I thought Brian Cox really. People drag on him for not doing a good Hannibal Lecter, but that's only in hindsight now, based on what his his interpretation of it Hopkins. is great. And yeah. it's, it's more brutish. if you've read the books. Yeah, it's much more yeah, brutish. It's very spot on. It is. The, yeah. Especially in that book. You get more of a feeling that this guy's going to hurt you. Yeah. Would you like to give me a private home phone number? Oh, no. You know, that whole, I mean, he's creepy as shit, but he doesn't, it's, it's not, like he's doing it effort, effortlessly. He's not and hamming he, yeah. it up. I like that he's not super right. abrasive about it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that whole uh, phone call thing, that whole scene where he's like, I don't have the use of my arms. Oh, yeah. And it's just, it's brilliant. It's like they just give him something to run with and he takes it. He's already five steps ahead of everyone else at that point. It's fantastic. It's also a hallmark of man's writing. I really liked in this is they never tell you what Hannibal Lecter did. They never go into those details. You know, he did something really bad. Right. But they don't have to tell you what it is. It's not important to this story. Well, it's important to know the relationship that he has with Will Graham is one of like horror. That's mm-hmm. all we know. That's all you have to know. Which, by the way, I love the exposition mm-hmm. that William Peterson's Will Graham gives to his son in the supermarket. I absolutely love that oh, scene. The supermarket where they change places in the in the <laughs> aisle without even moving. Yeah, he's fantastic. Like, what kind of coffee do you like? No. When they're on the cereal aisle. standing in front, yeah. in front of some cereal, and then all of a sudden, it's coffee. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, he likes Folgers, you know? But it's, you agree with me, though. I mean, if it's not about Will Graham, it's not in the movie. Well, that's what Red Dragon this, is, it's and I like that It's focused on both, him. Right. But that's how the story is. And mm-hmm. I like that both depictions with Manhunter and then later on Red Dragon, that they stayed to that storyline. Well, Red Dragon was pretty much... an relatively unimaginative carbon copy of this movie. I mean, they took entire line, entire no. scenes and basically did it shot for shot. Well, I mean, that's because it took it from the source material. It was because a book man before was it was so, anything else. He was, he really, he kind of, I don't know it. how long he, he'd been developing this for a good while. Like she said, it was mm-hmm. published in 81. I'm talking about Red Dragon here. The, right, right, the right. movie Red but Dragon. I'm saying that's yes, but, because there's no way around it, I guess, because man you, did such had, an excellent job at it. You had, he did an amazing time. adaptation. But it's yeah. Brett Ratner who yeah, managed to started. wipe the peanut butter off his face long enough to be on set, I guess, who's trying to be Jonathan Demme and trying to be Michael Mann at the same time. And it just, he's not up to that task. I've never seen that movie. I will not watch that movie. No, I don't. I refuse to see it. Basically, one, I'm not interested in seeing another version of, I know we had to do it to put yeah. Anthony Hopkins in the role. It's unnecessary for one. Two, can't stand Brett, Brett Ratner. Ratner. Well, it's a cash-in. I mean, it was De Laurentiis Studios wanted to hang on to the rights, and they wanted right. to milk, get a little more milk out of the cow. Because Hannibal and, was a hit yeah. a couple years prior. Yeah. So, I can't think of any other reason why they would have done it. I liked it, to, but I also like Ralph, or Ray Fiennes in it. I think he mm, yeah, is an amazing dollar, dollar hide. hide. Mm-hmm. 
Tom Noonan's a good dollar hide. Dude, oh, Tom definitely. Noonan is a scary yes. as hell yes. dollar hide. Yes. I like that all three depictions of Francis Dollar Hide are amazing in their own way. Hmm. Very understated. Everything about this movie is pretty understated. Incidentally, did you notice that Dollar Hide has the only set that is not in pastels? His fucking apartment is amazing. Has that way. one TV it, that's just tuned to static all the time? And I don't know if that's in the book realistically, like a depiction know. of his apartment, but no, it is no. not. No. I mean, it's not what you would think, which is great because you, you yeah. Well, they keep going back to that uh, image on the wall of the, the single Viking probe sitting on the surface of Mars yeah. all by itself, which, which he rips is kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I want to say about the Red Dragon, the remake, or it's not even a remake, really. It's <laughs> just another interpretation of the novel. But mm -hmm. uh, Brett Ratner did an interview um, right at the time of the release, and he talked shit about Michael Mann. Oh. I'll never forget this. Ooh. And Ridley Scott, who oh. had just done Hannibal. Ooh. And I'm like, you got you no motherfucker. Place. You made Rush Hour and Rush Hour 2, mm -hmm. and you're going to talk about two titans of cinema? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to watch your movie, period. It like made me violently opposed to it. So he can be a bit off putting. And now, in many ways, in many, 2020, many, many ways. we've heard a lot more about the guy. Yeah. So, yeah. But he even used doesn't the, surprise me. He even used the same cinematographer, uh, Dante Spignati, okay. for Red Dragon as these. Uh, he worked on Manhunter as well, as, long, as well as Heat, LA Confidential, and Ant Man and the Wasp, believe it or not. So well, yeah, he was definitely amazing. trying to put himself up there with someone else and just oh, yeah. didn't have the chops to do Let it. Let me bolster, bolster this up with enough talent surrounding me. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Not to say that Manhunter doesn't have a wealth of talent here. No. Dennis Farina. Yeah. William Peterson, Tom Noonan, Joan Allen is great in this. Chris Elliott shows up. Was anybody expecting Chris Elliott <laughs> yeah. to show up in this movie? Yeah. Because he had already been working on Letterman for like a year, I think. That's pretty much all he'd been on at that point, right? He hadn't done movies, I don't think. No, I don't think so either. Not He hadn't done Cabin Boy yet. <laughs> Certainly not. But I didn't even notice the first few times I saw this. Then I looked at it again just recently for the show. He's just like, there. That's, what's, that's what's great about it is he's not, there's no, it's like he, that's what I love about Michael Mann is he just casts to whatever he feels. He doesn't, mm -hmm. doesn't particularly care what you're, what you're, um, I guess your expectations are of the actor. And I mean, that also goes in, in turn with William Peterson is superb in this, but who knew who he was? He, he believed in him enough mm -hmm. to say he's going to be the guy. It works. It's perfect. And it's a perfect companion piece. I think as a double feature with to, to live and die in LA. Certainly mm -hmm. speaking to that, we have a clip here of the scene where all the cops are getting together to spread out and try to catch the tooth fairy. And we get this one bit of exposition between Graham and the lead detective in charge. I know a burglar's going to fence what he stole because his motive is cash money. I know his motive. So I go to work on fences. This guy, we don't even have motive. None of us have shit. And we know it. It's in his dreams. His motive? Yeah. His act fuels his fantasy. Which is? I don't know. Commissioner was saying that you're the one who uh, got uh, Garrett Jacob Hobbs and then Dr. Lector three years ago. Lector killed nine people, didn't he? Nine that we know of. Two didn't die. What happened then? One's on a respirator at a hospital in Baltimore. The other's in a private mental hospital in Denver. What the psychologists say was wrong with Lector? Psychologists call him a psychopath. They don't know what else to call him. I understand he cut you pretty good. What about the dog? It's at the vets. The kids brought it down with a puncture wound in the abdomen. Jacoby's in Birmingham had a cat, didn't they? That's right. We found a litter box downstairs, but we didn't find a cat. Why don't you get Birmingham PDM methane probe out of Washington? Have them cover the backyard. Maybe the cat's dead and the kid's buried in. Any other movie, somebody would have started crying or there would have been someone screaming. But this is a Michael Mann movie, so you have this complete emotional detachment that pretty much all his protagonists have. I'm thinking in particular of Spartan, the Val Kilmer movie. We know nothing about this guy because it's not important to the story. 
the president's daughter has gone missing, but we don't know why. It doesn't matter. We're detached from all of that. The story is about this quest. Same with here with Manhunter. We don't have to go into gory details or big emotional scenes because right. that's not what the movie's about. There also is Following me? Like See what I'm saying? static professionalism too. Yeah. yeah. Stoicism. I think you yeah, would be a it. better term. Yes. Yeah. Oh. I don't know if I've ever seen any other Michael Mann film. Well, this is a good launching point though. It for is. sure. Um, I mean, if you, if you like it. Ooh. <laughs> okay. I yeah, think I it has great say. performances in it, but overall I wasn't overly jazzed about this movie, especially having mm. heard so much about it. What was it? The sort of emotionless void that this no, movie not at works all. in that. Because I think that that's not, that's not uncommon with the types of movies I watch. I think it is very stylized to the time it came out, almost to yeah. its detriment now. And I'm big on watching mm. older films now and still being able to maintain that, oh, this is when it came out. But I think I just almost to it being cheesy in some way with the music and everything. And I know I'm probably like saying blasphemous things to many people. No, no. <laughs> Well, I, that's an, I mean, that's what I would think most people would come to it now with that perspective. Well, I think even then it got criticisms for maybe being too stylish for too its own artistic, good. Too artistic, yeah. Well, yeah. Too like hard the, to connect to. The tiger sequence, which I think What is, was up with the tiger well, sequence? I think it's The tiger beautiful. sequence, yeah, and it's, it's, it's very, it's a, it's a big point in the book as well. Like, I yeah. think he did an amazing job adapting the source material. Like, I have no issue with any of that. I think the acting is great. Um, it's just some of the the style and definitely the music really grinds on you after a while in this movie. Well, I think a lot of the love for it, too, is hot on the heels of Miami Vice. If you were into that kind of vibe from that era, it kind of makes sense. Um, if you were a fan of some of his other films, you would definitely just this kind of comes with the territory. Well, you what know? had he done? He did. Um... Thief was the keep prior the to this? Keep Thief is actually I just previous. added to my watch list. I really want to you, see Thief. It's I hope you love it because it's it's a definite favorite of mine. Um, it's it's a pretty it's kind of a long movie. What Thief? Thief I think was no, that doesn't bother about me. About two hours I think. was it? Yeah, Why two hours I think it was and three two minutes. And a half? Yeah. Oh yeah, um, I've not seen. I'm looking keep, at his IMDb right now. I have not seen anything he's done. Yeah, I don't know. It's I think it. You have to be like a. It helps to be a fan of some of his other works, maybe if you retrospectively. No, went I can to definitely this. see that, especially when you said Miami Vice, like coming off the back of that. Yeah. If you yeah. have that connection there, then it probably follows suit. Yeah, and you're you're definitely right. It's very much of the '80s of that of that particular definitely. section of the '80s. And I am it usually 80s. I love the '80s. Like I was expecting to just be all about this movie, but it just. It did not resonate for me. It is very specifically looks like 1986. It sounds like 1986. So does uh, that. Well, he didn't direct it, but he produced Band of the Hand. Oh. And that is has a lot of that same aesthetic going on. And Stephen Lang's in both. Anyway. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't so, think I've seen Band of the Hand. Uh, you might have. You may just not remember it, but that was one that was always on cable back in the day. But it's pretty, it's pretty good. It's it's interesting. Got an excellent cast going for it. But, how, does, uh, how do you think Dollarhide knows the guy with the tiger? I just think. Well, how did that happen? I know the answer to that. Yeah. Okay, go for it. He the 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 photography place that he works for. He takes photos of animals at the zoo oh. and everything. And that's what he talks to Joan Allen about oh. too. Mm -hmm. The conversation right. is is that he needs. Well, he actually wants it for his murders, but he's putting it under the guise of needing it to film the zoo animals in the evening. Yeah. Activities of nocturnal animals, as he puts it. Yes. I always thought that would actually be a great title for this movie because Manhunter is not an exceptionally great title at all. It's not very enthralling. No. Well, they didn't want to call it red dragon because it sounded too Japanese. I that think, was the working the title. Evidently it was, but I mean, that yeah. is the title of the book as well. So it would right. make yeah. sense to go off of that. But, but Manhunter yeah, does not feel like an appropriate title for this movie at all. Perhaps no. they were trying to piggyback off the popularity of Hollow Oats Maneater. <laughs> no, no, you don't think so? It's possible. Yeah, just saying. But he, I mean, he will, <laughs> he will chew you up. Yeah. You see? Yeah. Yes. Huh? Uh, huh? Uh, a little too <laughs> reaction there for you. Gotcha. 
Um, yeah, no, the other thing too, is that you're right because it might confuse audiences because mm-hmm. you're, you had, um, year of the dragon, Michael Cimino's film the year before. Oh, you have big trouble in little China that same year as Manhunter. So you, yeah, yeah, if you put red dragon out there, people, not that people knew what Manhunter was necessarily either, but yeah. it, it might've diverted whatever audience it might, I don't know, would typically associate with it, but. The other thing, too, is the distribution on this. How do you distribute this movie successfully now? You don't know, I don't know. the Thomas Harris legacy as you do now. Say we're, yeah, say we're coming in cold. Yeah. Yeah, it's I don't know. Sell. I don't know how you market this It's not this a thing. horror film. No. It's not an action film. No. It's, it's a drama for the most part, I would think. Yeah. But it's not, and if you're a fan of Miami Vice, it's not that. Definitely not. It has the same, some of the same like look to it and sounds, but yeah, it's a remarkably bloodless movie for the kind of movie it is too. Yeah. You would expect something like this to be a little more graphic than it is. Not to say that there are moments, but certainly, but they're usually in that end sequence. Yeah. That's about it. When he, he he tears away from any real like gruesomeness, mm -hmm. like deliberately. That was a choice. I, I did think the, at the end when dollar hide, I don't want dies and has the red wings, of blood flowing out from under him was a yeah. nice touch. Yeah. It kind of took me out of the movie for a, a little brief second. Peterson goes charging through the window and they're blasting Inagata DeVita. But Iron Butterfly, man. It's a good use of the song. It's just in that moment. That's he, why I love Michael Mann. He has these ultimate like showdowns at the end. Yeah. Where the movie ultimately pays off and it's got this great music to it. And you're just invested in that moment. You may not have been, but I, I was. What? It's a great moment. It's just the whole slow motion jump through the window thing. Just where did that, that come I from? The jump cuttiness of that scene oh, yeah. is very, it's like, you're like, what am I, it's, why is it cut like this? And, and it's, yeah, it stands out, I think. Mm. Sort of like the uh, flaming wheelchair bit. Not that we know much about Dollar Hyde, really, but did that seem to fit into his overall aesthetic? Or was I, it a good chance to just set a wheelchair on fire for a moment on camera? Well, that's in the book, right? Isn't that Casey? Is it? That's, yeah, it's in the book. It's in Red Dragon, and it's also in Hannibal. It's in the Hannibal the series. series yeah. mm-hmm. Although that's a fake out in the series. It is. Well, the series takes <laughs> the a lot of dramatic is, liberties with the characters. It does, but yeah. with it just going back on Netflix and all, I know a lot of people who are watching it for the first time. But I mean, it's you can't like you almost can't compare them because you're going to expect things and then it doesn't go. Oh, that definitely. Way yeah. And the one thing that I find really interesting is over all of the adaptations. They all pull the same dialogue or like, mm. like, for instance, the wheelchair thing and things like that. Yeah. It seems to be this, the similar things that they grab from it. Do you think that's an accident or is it just because it's t- the source material is too great? Probably. I mean, how, c- why would you want to ruin that? You'd want to kind of take a credit. It's kind of like doing a stage play, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Material's excellent. It's just you're giving another interpretation of it. And honestly, this is the one, Red Dragon is the one you we have seen the most across all of the adaptations. Yeah. We now have three. There's three? Mm-hmm. The third season There's of Hannibal Man Hunter. is Red Dragon. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I haven't seen any of Hannibal. I haven't seen any of the show. So what most I loved people about hate Hannibal, season three. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan well, of it. Well, because we've already seen it in two other movies. And- well, no, <laughs> they, what they, they really do beat a dead horse with it. Like it is very stretched out and just slow. It becomes, yeah. The first two seasons are pretty damn great. I mean, I I love the idea because it's that window of the possibility prior to red dragon. Mm. We can play around with this universe. What happens to Will Graham? So you get, do you do get their interpretation of what the answers are? Okay. The relationship between Hannibal and and the show's called Hannibal because it really is about Hannibal. He's almost Mm -hmm. the central force in it. And, but it's prior to him getting caught. So, but then, then it starts getting into that and mm-hmm. I'm not giving anything away, but we do end up with red dragon. So we're, that, that was, I just kind of wish they kind of stuck in that imaginary realm a bit more. Yeah. Uh, so in a way, Manhunter did start a movie franchise accidentally almost. Yeah. I suppose, even though that wasn't the intention. I don't know if it was the intention. No, or not. I don't think it was. Nobody knew it would be. Was it successful at the time or did it no. just kind of no. announce? No, it did not. Because I was going to say that could have been the driving force for, I'm not saying that that is why Silence of the Lambs would have been done, but they could have been like, oh, this brought attention to this book series and maybe more should be done with it. But if it wasn't no, successful, then chances it are only, it did. 
it only got about half its money back at theaters and really didn't get much play on cable until after Silence of the Lambs had already come out in theaters. Well, there's a, like a five year in between yeah. Silence mm-hmm. and this, and no one that went into Silence of the Lambs, I certainly didn't. I didn't even associate it with, I'd seen Manhunter before mm-hmm. that, but I didn't associate the two. Mm. And Did you I know they were from able... the same source material? No, that's what I'm saying. I didn't. Oh, okay. I, I wasn't sure I if just, you meant you yeah. didn't associate them as a series. Okay, and it my certainly bad. wasn't, it wasn't uh, thought of as a sequel in any kind of way. No, no. way. Mm-hmm. No, I don't um, think so. So I think most audiences for silence were fresh audiences. Mm-hmm. And rather than Iron Butterfly, they got the moth. <laughs> what? Mic drop. No. Damn. Anyways. <laughs> but no, the distribution on Manhunter was not great because of Dino De Laurentiis's mm-hmm. company, De Laurentiis Entertainment Group. That was their last year, pretty much going was in, it? well, going in '87. But you look at that year; they did Trick or Treat, which I love. Okay, King Kong Lives was a massive failure as well. No. Yeah, believe it. <laughs> the hell Um, you say so i think he got a little too ambitious with that that actual company and maximum overdrive was the same year i think that did okay did better on video certainly than it did theatrically yeah that was a hate watch for a lot of people really i'm gonna love it it's fun i like it yeah irritates the hell out of me come on who made who man what else you got (laughs) it's fun it's fun but yeah so it was this movie coming in the midst of all that other stuff, he hadn't had mm-hmm. great success that year. And this was not one you could really market particularly. I mean, mm. they certainly didn't sell it. It is an odd one. Yeah. And they didn't really sell it as Michael Mann, the man who gave you Vegas and Miami vice. They didn't sell it from that aspect either. Mm. Would that have know. pushed it more? Do you think like, was he a big enough know. name at that time? He was in, in, in television, like thief did well, but mm-hmm. not, it wasn't like a huge success. The keep was not a success. No. So he wasn't, that was in 83. So well, he, there was, he was responsible. He produced Miami vice and there were two other series. I think was he involved in riptide at all? No. It, why would I think riptide? Well, it was the same time. I mean, you I, guess. Th- I, I mean, I think there were two other kinda. ones. I think. Can't think of what they are. Well, he, he did. There was a um, wise guy. No, he did. Oh, crime story. Crime story. Dennis that's what I'm, that's Jesus, what I'm thinking of. Yeah. We've been blanked. Because he was also one of those that tended to go back to his same repertoire. Yeah. His repertoire actor. Yeah. Yeah. And William Peterson's in Thief. And is Farina. That's in right. That? I don't Farina's, think Farina is. I think he has a bit part in it. I'm pretty sure. Mm. He's always played a cop. FBI well, he age. was yeah, a he's cop. In it. So, yeah. That figures. I so, like the fact. Oh, never mind. I'll bring that up in a second. Go for it. The guy who plays Lieutenant Fisk. In yes. Manhunter goes on to be Barney yep. in Silence of the Lambs. And Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Frankie and Bar- Red Dragon. He's on, yeah. Because uh. that character is the only one to be in all, well, not that he was Barney in Manhunter. Right, but he's a different character, but mm-hmm. that's like He's the only actor to go across all of them. Was it, though? Well, maybe we not know? on his part, because maybe, you know, he actually auditioned because he was a fan of Thomas Harris. Mm-hmm. But it's that would be interesting to try to I figure out. I don't think out. Jonathan Demi or any of them probably cast him deliberately in Silence of the Lambs based off of his involvement in Manhunter. I and his think scenes so, no. in Manhunter is a very minuscule little role in that comparatively. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's a cool little footnote. Yeah. They couldn't bring Chris Elliott back for Red Dragon or? Well, he was too bad. He's too busy developing other great projects. Like he was, he was too busy getting a life. That's right. <laughs> God, I've forgotten about Get a Life. Don't forget about it. Mm, that was on Fox, wasn't it? Yep. I think Sundays. Yeah. Two or three years or something. It seemed I to go on forever. Watch it. Like, how could they possibly still be making the show? The Jackie Earl Haley episode. Oh. The birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking earlier about Brian Cox's performance as Hannibal Lecter, which is restrained compared to Hopkins, I think. Yeah, but he's also not the Very central much focus. So. Like you, I mean, you're going to want him to kind of shine more so in Silence of the Lambs because of the, his character has a bigger arc in that, obviously. You know, had it been possible and the time was totally different, you know who would have made a great Hannibal Lecter? Peter Lorre. Oh, yeah. Think about it. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been great. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. But I don't think Thomas Harris had written. I'm just kidding. No, no. Still in early drafts. (laughs) Very, very early drafts. Oh, also in, I don't know. I don't remember if this is the case in the book, Red Dragon, but Lecter's name spelled differently in Mm -hmm. L-E-K-T-O-R. I don't know if that was an accident or the movie. I noticed it like immediately when I saw it written down. I was like, wait a minute. I paused the film and then like looked it up and I was like, why? Why? And do you it, know it anybody just, with that? Well, first of all, I don't know anybody with the name Lecter, but hmm. I wouldn't, that wouldn't be my go-to spelling of it at all. I wonder if it's one of those weird things where it's like when originally coming over to America, it was spelled that way. And then eventually it changed over, over the years or something. Could be. It was also the name of the uh, decoding device in For Marsha With Love. It's the Lecter. Oh, which way was it spelled? I don't know if that's, I don't know how that was spelled though. Wow. Look at that, dude. Mm. That's that's a good one. <laughs> that was the MacGuffin in that in that movie, yeah. Which wow. I also don't know how to spell. Which is MacGuffin? You don't know how to spell MacGuffin? <laughs> I can I make feel like a that's guess. That's an easy one to spell. Yeah, it's like McMuffin, but with a G in there. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Now I want a McMuffin. Or do you want one that's kind of like a McMuffin, which is ultimately we'll call a MacGuffin? It a McGuffin. A Hannibal McMuffin. Yeah. So I've pulled a clip here of the final converse, phone conversation between Hannibal Lecter and Graham. Which is the original title of the song, The Final Countdown, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> they shortened it. Europe was like, that's too long of a title. Oh, boy. <laughs> Deep breath, everybody. Track. Okay. Back on track. This, this is our moment when Lecter reveals the motivations to Mr. Graham, or at least what he thinks they are. <laughs> I'm sick of you crazy sons of bitches, Lecter. You got something to say, say it. I want to help you. You'd be more comfortable if you relax with yourself. We don't invent our natures. They're issued to us along with our lungs and pancreas and everything else. Why fight it? Fight what? Did you really feel so depressed after you shot Mr. Garrett Jacob Hobbs to death? I didn't know you then, but I think you probably did. But it wasn't the act that got you down, was it? Didn't you really feel so bad because killing him felt so good? And why shouldn't it feel good? It must feel good to God. He does it all the time. God's terrific. He dropped a church roof on 34 of his worshippers last Wednesday night in Texas as they were groveling through a hymn to his majesty. Don't you think that felt good? Why does it feel good, Dr. Lecter? It feels good, Will, because God has power. And if one does what God does enough times, one will become as God is. God's a champ. He always stays ahead. He got 140 Filipinos in one plane crash last month. Remember that earthquake in Italy last spring? So did the lecture from the books or any of the other works that were done after the strike you as a particularly religious person, or is he just kind of talking out his ass here at giving examples? One of my favorite quotes from the book is, I collect church collapses (laughs) recreationally. And it is because it is, and it spans over every adaptation I've seen of it. And it, it goes through all the books as well. He always references the, Church collapse on the uh, church full of grannies mm. is what he calls them in the book. And I don't think it's necessarily that he is religious in any way. I think he really truly sees it as that, uh, the pinnacle, that yeah. power. And he, he appreciates the power, mm-hmm. certainly, whether or not he believes in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a matter of he can, he can see why. And I think this is really shown in Anthony Hopkins' depiction of it is is how appealing that power Mm. can be. He's also a nature versus nurture guy. I mean, we see in this clip, nature comes to us like our lungs and our pancreas. That's, that struck me as a lot also for somebody is for, for him to take, I don't know why it struck me as weird for him to take that attitude. I mean, he's He's also a doctor. He's seen all he's done all too. Mm. He's a wise sage at this Mm -hmm. point (laughs) by the time he's incarcerated, obviously. The other thing about this clip, did you notice 
in the background of the shot on William Peterson, yeah. the elevator that goes up right when he talks about being godlike. Ah, no, that I didn't. was deliberate. That's a nice touch. That was deliberate on Michael Band's part. He had people operating that elevator in the hotel behind that building. Yeah. That shouldn't surprise that me. That really shouldn't surprise yeah, his me. His attention though. to detail is insane. He filmed everywhere he wanted to. That's another reason. He probably mm. drove De Laurentiis into, the, into debt. Because he wanted to go all across the U.S. to yeah. film at these different locations because they were intricate to FBI, like central areas. Well, well, that, our locations were, I think, Pensacola, Florida. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they shot in Atlanta. This is all indoor stuff, so why would they bother going to Atlanta? It didn't matter. He would, he would want to be there. Oh, wow. That was the attention to detail he had. When they do all that lab work, when they're looking over the mm-hmm. toilet paper note, that actually was in an FBI laboratory, oh which were, these were not places that were filmed typically. Yeah. So he had that kind of connection. Oh, have either of you ever tried writing on toilet paper with a ballpoint pen? <laughs> mm-hmm. You have? How'd it I go? Mean, I mean, it's not great. And why? Well, when you're younger, you just do what you gotta do. <laughs> yeah, true. That's actually younger. That's what I my was notes are written for, on. I was kind of hoping for more of an elaborate story than... Than that. <laughs> I actually ripped I mean, out a section and went over it with a felt tip pen, too. Yeah. I mean, I tried it just to see after watching the movie. I was like, how is that possible? That's got to be hard. It depends on the toilet paper as well. Really? Two ply helps. Two ply? See, I think the less ply would help because it's stiffer. If you get a softer toilet paper, that's uh, going to okay. tear more easily. All right, yeah. I see. I was you thinking of parchment Scots. paper. Oh. So you're telling me they actually went to Missouri. I think it's St. Louis, Missouri. But they, St. Louis, I'm pretty sure they did. They fly yeah. into for this? Yeah, that was the thing that there's an interview that William Peterson does on the Blu-ray um, talking about how that was like an, he was insistent upon doing all these locations because wow. they were didn't matter if we knew where the hell they were. Right. I mean, that that supermarket could have some significance we don't know about. You know what I mean? It's stuff like that. It, huh. that that's he's he's doing it for his own, I guess, um, amusement. I wouldn't say amusement necessarily <laughs> is gratification in terms of I'm doing this correctly. Mm. Was he that filmmaker with other films as well? Pretty sure. I mean, if you look at Heat, there, mm-hmm. yeah, he certainly got in with those people. I mean, most of his films have that crime element anyway, so he's always within that world. So I'm sure he has those types of connections. Mm-hmm. And- well, Heat was all one city. It's one, it wasn't like a globe-hopping adventure or anything like that. And he'd also done that movie previously, too. He remade. That's the remake of his own movie from 89, his TV movie. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about the TV movie. So he did it twice. I don't know what the difference is in locations or any of that, but yeah. Well, one of them is three hours long and one of them probably yes. wasn't. Yeah. It's one of those really long movies that no matter what, I will watch it all the way through, sort of like Lawrence of Arabia, even though it's and horrendously long. And uh, Not that yeah. one. Uh, Good, the Magnolia Bad, the Ugly. phenomenal. I found Magnolia a bit self-indulgent. Mm. That's fair, but I mean, you still have, I mean, it's, it's good. But that's, aw- yeah. That awkward song they throw in right in the middle of it. I don't know. I loved it. It was definitely, but as far as ease in watching, because you see hmm. a three hour timestamp and you're like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you watch it. And the next thing you know, it's over and you're like, oh, I didn't feel like I spent that time watching it. Yeah. Well, cause you're, you were invested with the characters. Very much so. And Magnolia is a good uh, comparison in terms of it's almost like an ensemble that you have to mm-hmm. invest in. Same thing with Heat. Yeah. I mean, if you go to Heat as an action movie, you're going to get that. But at the same time, it's more drama than anything. And you have to care about every character. Well, you know, they do start killing them off as the movie progresses. So there's less of an ensemble to keep track of, to be fair. Right. But you also, yeah, you have to care. Kind of taking it easy on for it to have that impact on you, you know, as a viewer. So. <laughs> Yeah. My first screening of it did not go well, though, however, because <laughs> there was an asshole in the audience. Oh, no. Who was laughing hysterically during. Like, I don't the, really remember it, he no, being it, that funny. There are some funny moments, <laughs> but. Sort of like the comedy stylings in Manhunter. If yeah, you, I, this you know. asshole thought anything <laughs> with like any kind of violent scene was hilarious. Oh, my gosh. I've been waiting like two years to see this movie whenever I heard he was first going to do it with De Niro and Pacino and. Yeah, like, I'm in. I don't care what it is. You could read the phone book. I don't care. I'll watch it. <laughs> I guess we could close it with. It's just you and me now, sport. 
sport. I'm going to find you, god damn it. Peterson does yell a couple of his lines that are, when he's talking to himself, it seems a little weird. But, oh, yeah, yeah, when he's observing. Yeah. You had the tapes, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> That's what I love about it, because it's in those moments that he has with himself, where you mm -hmm. get that level of... The wheels are turning. But when he's discussing this with others, it's very, very professional, very Subdued, on point. yes. He keeps to himself yeah. quite a bit. It's very interesting. It's, and th it's this an interesting character choice. I, if I'm not mistaken, this was the movie that led Peterson to produce CSI. Well, it's very. that's another thing. I mean, you can't help but not think of Manhunter now when you think of mm -hmm. CSI. Back then, we didn't know what CSI. We didn't. Yeah. yeah but yeah, it's, there's a definite so he's comparison. He's an executive producer on that. It's probably because a huge the investment chunk of, of Michael Mann had in that world that yeah. enthralled him. I don't remember seeing any of this kind of stuff in a movie before this. I mean, except for the usual, you know, stuff like the conversation and yeah, 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 tracing of phone calls and things like that. You didn't really get into this kind of forensic analysis stuff in another movie before this. Or not that I remember. Not to this level of detail, at least. No. You brought up the conversation. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because somebody asked me recently what scares me in a movie, like a scary scene in a movie. Like what makes me jump? And there's rarely anything in horror films that jump, but there's a scene. The shower thing? It's scared. It makes me, yeah, it comes out of nowhere, scares the yeah. crap out of you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a jump scare for me. And Francis Ford oh. Coppola is the conversation. Oh, because, well, there's nothing else in that movie that prepares you for it. There's well, it's, all, it's all low key. You're like, oh, yeah. yeah. I'll have to go back now and watch the conversation again. Are you one of those? I think so, but I'll see if you think so is... Gene Hackman's character in Any Enemy of the State, the same guy as the one he plays in Conversation. I've never seen Enemy of the State. Same so mannerisms, same line of work. And I think he even says his name is Harry in that movie. Well, his character in, um, why am I blanking? Hoosiers. Who is, no, not Hoosiers. No, not Hoosiers. <laughs> Night Moves. Night Moves. Is Harry Mosby, right? I don't remember the character's name. I think so. Harry Mosby. He said Night Moves. Another classic. It's very cool in conversation. conversation. Enemy of the state is. I don't think he uses Edward the name. Lyle. Oh, that could be made you up. You said name. Gene Hackman's character, right? Yeah, Gene Hackman. Yeah. And then the other movie was what? Night moves. Night. Music by Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. Yeah, is. No, I'm kidding. Oh. That is Harry Mosby. Not to be confused with the Christopher Lambert Diane. Uh, Wayne movie Night Moves, which is spelled no K N I G H T. What is going yes. on right now? <laughs> or Hollywood Nights, which is a completely different movie than both of those. But they drive me crazy, those Hollywood Nights. <laughs> me and my baby. Yeah. <laughs> which, hey, that's a callback to Lawrence of Arabia. It is. Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia. He's an English guy. And he came Went to, to fight, fight the Turkish. Okay. Katie's like officially Katie's checked out. out. I'm just, I just got nothing to add. You tapped out of this episode. I think next time you should, uh, rec we should do the movie that's for the podcast, but then I need a list of all the subsequent <laughs> movies that you are going to reference. Well, I don't I know that. Watch all of those as well. Yeah, you, you have to. I don't in know that. In some ways, on. in some ways, you know what you're going to connect the dots to. Maybe not Lawrence of Arabia uh, or Night No, I wasn't going Hollywood for that. Night, no. But. No. The rest of the stuff. It does have a little wang to it. Wang. <laughs> Sorry. His dick is in the punch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Volare. Was Tony Danza in that? Yeah. Was yeah he's okay. still in it, actually. Is he still? They didn't the cut Hollywood him out? Hollywood Nights. Michelle Pfeiffer is his girlfriend in it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Floyd Mutrix. Anyway, oh, good stuff. But we wouldn't know we were going to that, Katie. So why well, no? But well, like on the bees, we you talked about the swarm and that getting. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I was going to bring up Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs. Well, yeah, and hey, I came <laughs> See, I didn't more prepared than any of you for that because I have recently watched them all, even Hannibal Rising. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> Honestly, it isn't as bad if you've read the book, and it's not I'm going to be either. honest. By watching that and listening to the book, because I do audiobooks, and then rewatching season three of Hannibal, there is so much in season three of Hannibal that is Hannibal Rising. Let's see like the, the wacky costumes. 
wacky costume. When he hooks up with that one woman and, and Hannibal Rising. I'm thinking of the movie. Oh, I thought you meant the show. And I was like, there's no weird costumes no, just, in season kidding. three. That's what I know. Well, I'm just kidding. See, now, I won't necessarily read a, read the book to get to where I can appreciate a movie. I might watch the Viewmaster version to get an appreciation of the movie. And My read the captions is, on the... <laughs> Some of these characters are characters that I want to spend as much time with as I can. I hate you that, guys. No, that's 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 actually the investment. Yeah. So there if you go into it watching the movie, would, yeah. Yeah. Well, like yeah, I, that just, I like Hannibal enough. And the thing that sucks about Hannibal Rising is, from Everything. what I've gathered, <laughs> Thomas Harris was kind of forced to write the book so the film could be made. Okay. So I don't How know if they it do was that? a. And the film wasn't even a hit. Like nobody cared about it, right? Yeah. I don't know if it was to keep rights. Because Maybe. I know sometimes studios will put that things out to keep rights. And, when in um, doubt, I, it was probably for the rights. And it was Hannibal well, Mania know, at the time, so yeah. Well, and sense. I know, like with Hannibal moving forward, the television show, they were headed towards Silence of the Lambs territory, but there was a huge kerfuffle with the rights of that because evidently one studio owns Silence of the Lambs, whereas Hannibal can be. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. I don't know how to exactly put it into words, but Clarice Starling and Silence of the Lambs is still owned by the studio who did the film. I don't know who it is. I'm sorry. So Orion did the film, but MGM owns it now. Maybe they own MGM the owns it. Yeah. yeah. So they weren't sure if they were ever going to be able to directly move into that territory with the show because MGM still had the rights to Clarice Starling and all of that. And that's so it's a mess. Like, well, a lot of people don't understand that it's not just film rights or sequel rights; it's right. character mm-hmm. rights. Yeah, and well, you, if you're a Marvel fan, you know that much. Oh yeah, big fans. <laughs> yeah, especially now that Fox is owned by Disney, and then hey, Sony still has well, Spider-Man. Not, not even Marvel Listen, fan. I'm, if you were a if you were a James Bond fan, you knew how Spectre got tied up with McClory for how many hun- oh, hundreds yeah, of yeah. years. Yeah, he was the thorn in. Uh, Cubby Brock or even how forever. A lot of the Doctor Who writers held on to mm-hmm. character rights for yeah, all of their like guys Russell for a long time. I know he's the, a newer one, but there were certain characters that if the characters were in an episode, he had to be the lead writer right. on the episode or they couldn't be in the episode. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's Talk a mess. Some good contractual uh, makeups going on there. I mean, like, yeah. Who knows? Maybe we'll get that, that Hannibal TV series where he, Hannibal in the middle? Yeah, yeah, where no, he moves I in mean, with a like a wacky roommate of, like Balky or something. And... I mean, they were kind of going over that <laughs> no, territory no. in season three. I would pay they, they Balky Bartakamos. They go on some crazy adventures and Yeah, I would pay blood to see that, actually. <laughs> Nathan, Co- I know you hated Mary. season three. I didn't but hate I really it. just I, just I really want more of that Hannibal. Balky, you ruined the From... driftwood sculpture I made for the sergeant. Brian Fuller. Yeah, hmm. well, but he, I just want it to be in that world that doesn't exist. That's what was fun for me, is once I we know. start pulling uh, characters from other books and then changing see, narrative really, structure, and yeah, it kind of loses I really me. liked Richard Armitage as mm-hmm. Dollar Hyde. I did, well, I didn't hate it. I just was like, I don't want to go down no, this can, road. Yeah. yeah, I can understand people having issues with that third season, but it's it's kind of like what I just said with Hannibal Rising. I just want more of that universe and those yeah. characters. That you could have given me anything, and I still would have eaten it up. Oh, you know what? So, Here's your buy-in, Jason, to okay. watching the series. All right. Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall is in. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he gives it's it's a great role, he's great. and he's both dramatic and funny. So mm-hmm. it isn't like something you would expect him to do. It's it's pretty no, damn it would great. not be no. Yeah. They just did a reunion stream. Of all of them, and he was in it, and he was extra funny in it. I love He's Scott always Thompson. hilarious. And he has, if you get the Blu-rays for the series, he has like I think talking about the Hannibal episodes. series. Or? Yeah, the yeah. Hannibal series. He does like these interviews with the cast, and they're just great. They're money in the bank. <laughs> it's definitely one of those casts where you can tell they're all friends. Like yeah. it was, uh, yes, they're it's amazing. And the CSI connection. Lawrence Fishburne did an, a season of CSI. That he did. And then he did all Jack three Crawford. seasons of Hannibal. As Jack Crawford. So I remember when he did CSI, it was like he contractually went into it with, I'm only doing this one season. Because oh. he was a prim- primarily a film actor. So 
but he he loved the material so much that he committed to each successive season because they didn't know they were going to do three seasons from the bat. They didn't know. They kept renewing it. But and that's Lawrence how Fishburne... I found out that him and Gina Torres are together. Yeah, and she's amazing. Because she's his show. wife in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't Lawrence Fishburne push really hard to get into The Last Dragon? Well, he didn't push hard enough. He wanted to be show enough, maybe? Did he? I think I so. I know that. I mean, that was back when he was Larry. Yeah. That was in between Death Wish 2 and A Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Mm-hmm. Did you say Enter the Dragon? No, The Last Dragon. Oh, sorry. Barry Gordy's movie from 85 with the lovely vanity, Denise Matthews. And a bunch of giggling villains. Yes. Enter the Dragon is shown in The Last Dragon. It is. <laughs> really great scene. The internet isn't telling me anything about that. Oh, the internet's I don't know useless. that you would be a huge fan of The Last Dragon. Again, that's kind of like... What is it? Like, what genre? It's martial arts, but it's yes. very much well, a it, glorified, like... It's very much its own genre. Cult movie, really. Way, it's, yeah. yeah. Barry Gordy, who started Motown Records. That name sounds very familiar yeah. to me. He was behind the production, and uh, Vanity was signed with Motown at the time. She had mm-hmm. just done one album. She ended up doing two with them, and then they pretty much buried her career. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So. Oh, this is the guy who did car wash. Yeah, Michael Schultz. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It all comes together, people. And Every time all we comes episodes together. Episodes in the right order. Ah, uh, you know. Spoiler alert. Maybe. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> With that, I think we'll draw this episode to a close. Go see Manhunter. Go see all of these movies. <laughs> Just not at a theater driving. near you. Yeah. Just no, not at a theater. Well, if you can manage it, I suppose that'd, that'd be, be a, a good trick. double bill. Until next time. We've been the Smooth Girls Radio Hour. Catch you down the road. That's it. The show is over. Thank you for listening. The Smooth Thrills Radio Hour is a production of Ghostcraft and is recorded live in Dallas, Texas. Please email your questions and comments to autopilot at smooththrillsradiohour.com. Enjoy the rest of your day. Someone to stand beside you